You're listening to the Keep Optimizing Podcast to increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates, and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. If you are looking to improve the performance and return on investment of your marketing, then congratulations, you've tuned in to the correct podcast. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this Marketing Focus show. And it's, as I say every week, it is so cool to have so many people tuning in. I I look at the stats regularly and it is very cool to see the numbers going up. So thank you for joining me yet again. In today's episode, I'm talking to Diana about the wonderful world of competitor research, because this month we're all about SEO. Yes, it's a new month and a new topic, and we're hitting that big one, SEO, search engine optimization. And we're kicking off with competitor research because we want to take you beyond simply benchmarking and give you some quick ways that you can use what your competitors are doing to fast track your SEO performance improvements. There's a lot of, of uh, tips and tricks that Diana's going to be sharing. She's been doing SEO for a very long time. So I think you're going to love this episode. We are going to meet her in a second, but before we do, please do check out the sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for brands of all kinds and sizes. Whether you're an entrepreneur just starting out or you're part of a marketing team at a multinational brand, Clavio will give you everything you need to create memorable marketing moments, building customer relationships that keep shoppers coming back time and time again. Get started with a free account today. Visit clavio.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Today, I'm chatting with SEO expert Diana Richardson. Diana is the social media and community manager for the SEO unit at SEMrush, which means she spends every day helping site owners improve their SEO performance. She's also been both helping others and doing digital marketing herself, including managing SEO, since 2006. Hello, Diana. Hello. That makes me feel so old when I hear 2006. <laughs> Did we even have iPhones in 2006? I don't even know. <laughs> no, we barely had Google. Um, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on Yahoo back in those days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It makes you feel any better. I've been doing it since about 2001, 2002, mm. which is almost the 90s, which is just yeah. wrong. I know. Um, but we're not going to get into that because that's a world of pain. Uh, but we are going to go back a little bit and ask you how you got into SEO. So back in you know the mid-2000s, what led you to this wonderful world of SEO? <laughs> I think it goes back to um, just really my childhood too. So my mom was very clever um, in keeping my belief in Santa Claus alive by telling me he had to be real because he had a website. Um, and this is back in the 90s when I was a child, you know, or I guess even the 80s because I'm a child of the 80s as well. But yeah, so I, I um, attribute a lot of my career <laughs> to my mom and that I also had a, my dad is on the radio for, um, he just retired. So he's been on the radio for a very long time. And I saw him do uh, obviously a lot of, you know, voice work, but he wrote copy and he, you know, hosted special events and it was I knew I wanted to do something in marketing, um, kind of based on his track. So when I went to college, I got my degrees in communication because digital marketing was not offered. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was not a thing in 2000, uh, in the two, early 2000s when I was in college. And when I graduated with my 
communications degree, I was working for a rental car agency investigating car accident damage. And that's where I learned that I loved research. Um, and so while when I was looking for a marketing job, I actually answered an ad in the paper uh, because things like Indeed <laughs> or LinkedIn <laughs> didn't exist back then. And um, but the market, the advertisement was for a marketing specialist. And when I went in for the interview, that's when the hiring manager described to me, we're moving, we're, it was a company moving from print to digital. And we are tackling this thing called uh, digital marketing. And it involves what we call SEO. And it also involves uh, this SEM and PPC. And I was in and I've never left. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's the accidental digital marketer, which so many of our guests on this podcast are, is I just kind of, I found it. And like, she couldn't have even, well, to me, it was funny because she couldn't advertise that she needed a digital marketer or an SEO because that didn't, that wasn't a job title back then. Um, so I kind of got tricked a little bit into, into the field. Um, (laughs) obviously it worked out, (laughs) but, (laughs) um, and her and I are friends to this day. So it worked out on that benefit that level too. So it was, but I've learned it from the ground up. I didn't know what it was. I had to learn. I had to learn it. I had to someone, she taught me a lot. I had to keep up my own education and I learned through experimenting and experience. And I think that's important for people to realize that I know SEO sounds really complicated and it is, but it is totally teachable. It's totally learnable. None of us None of us have a degree in SEO yet. <laughs> so Yeah, and it's something which, which I find about SEO is it's an awful lot easier to learn uh, than Google ads is or Facebook ads is, but yet people seem to be more scared of it, which is a bit weird, really, given A, you're not wasting money whilst you learn, uh, which True. you are with Google ads. You know, there is a financial cost to to testing on uh, on Facebook ads and Google ads. Mm-hmm. But it's also, it, it's, it's a lot... So it's kind of like a friendlier, safer environment, I always think, than the ad platforms. I, I think it's more of a frustrating platform because yeah. um, I think especially in this world of instant r- uh, results, um, it's, harder to, it's harder to be patient and you have to be with SEO. And I think that that's where a lot of frustration lies and a lot of the hesitation lies too because you can't see the instant results of your work. And so therefore you kind of start doubting yourself or did I do this right? Or is this the right keyword? Because the results compound on themselves over time where PPC, um, I'm wasting money on this ad group, click, goodbye, you know, and there you go. And I mean, I, I also think PPC is quite reactive in the optimization and you have to be because there's so much data involved to tell you, but the, the data on SEO is just so much slower too that you can't, you can't be as agile, I think, as you can be with PPC. So there's pros and cons. Oh, aren't there always? But but what you say is a good makes a nice segue into the topic we're we're planning on covering today, which is competitor research, because one of the with that kind of slower feedback loop with SEO, you need to make better decisions about what you start doing. Yeah. Don't you? You you can't go, well, we'll try ten tactics and by the end of the week we'll know if one's working or not. Uh, you're going to be investing for months to, before you know that it works or not. So you've got to got to do a bit more research before you you pick what to choose, and that's what we're talking about today. Now I know a lot of you are going competitor research. 
isn't that just tracking them so I know if I'm better than them or not? Uh, I know a lot of you are using it just for benchmarking, but there's a lot more we can do with it than that. So, so Diana, what else can we do with competitor research to help us improve our own SEO rather than just fantasizing about other people's performance? <laughs> well, I love it. I love the opportunities that you can find by doing competitor research. And I've tweeted about this a lot from the Semrush account because I just think it's, it is something that I don't know if it is top of mind. Like you were saying, like there is the obvious benefit of making sure you are aligned with those competitors. And, but how, like when someone says, how do you get that edge over your competitor? Like, how do you actually do that? And really your the tools that you have now, and of course, um, you know, we're referencing Semrush here, but there's, I mean, and there's others, but you can use those that data and those tools to for your competitors to basically hand you opportunities. For example, backlinks. So backlinks are a major part of SEO. Backlinks help build up your credibility. They help get your your website in front of more eyeballs just because, you know, these other websites have you present on their site. Backlinks are really important in the world of SEO. But how do you get them? How do you know the site's credible? How do you know they're going to like what you're putting out, right? So you use your competitors and you see who is linking to them. You make sure you, you do your due diligence to ensure that those sites are quality because your competitor could also have not so great sites linking to them. But there's some really great filters where you can filter out, um, for example, backlinks that are linking to your competitor's page that no longer exists. Well, there's a great opportunity to kind of reach out to that backlinking site, say, hey, I know you're interested in this content. Here's mine also, and that also your existing link is broken. So here's mine as a substitute. Here's mine. So there's like there's kind of a sneaky way to steal some backlinks from your competitors in that regard. But I love using competitor research for that because backlink prospecting is very time consuming. Um, it can be pretty daunting. Um, and you, I mean, you have to dedicate, like it has to be a project to work on. But if you have a resource, if you can go and see who, what backlinks are already interested in people that are similar to your business, then that start there. Yeah. We're just handing you a spreadsheet <laughs> of prospects. And then, you know, you're, that takes a huge step out of it. And then when you have qualifications, like SEMrush, we use an authority score. Um, you can filter out the crappy ones or things that are like toxic sites. We even have a toxic score. You can just ignore those and filter that prospect list down even more in like three clicks. So, you know, that workflow is already now simplified, but it, it is your competitor. It is that act of researching your competitor's backlink profile that is now handing you your prospect list. What I love about that is both it's making something you should be doing anyway easier because mm -hmm. it's giving you some really hot prospects for getting those backlinks from. But what it's also doing is enabling you to catch up to the competition because it, I always think of, of backlink profiles as being if the site links to both of us, that's null and voided it to some extent. No one's, no one's gaining from that. So if I can get all their links and all competitor B links as well. So if I've got competitor A's link people linking to me too and competitor B's linking to me too and then I've got some of my own, then I'm obviously going to become better from a backlink profile than the other two because I've kind of matched the ones they're doing to move me forwards. Now, would that be 
because I'm not, I don't spend anywhere near as much time as you do in the world of SEO data. Am I good with that theory or is that, is that a bit passe these days? So I wouldn't say that it's null and void um, because each backlink profile is a unique entity and Google can obviously see, or the search engines in general can obviously see if a site A is linking to, you know, these three other websites, because that's just the nature of crawling. Um, I'm sorry, podcast listeners, you just missed a great like hand gesture to visualize what I'm trying to explain. <laughs> but um, Google it hasn't gotten to that point where like, I mean, they see that you're similar, but they're not making that correlation that they are a competitor to yours necessarily. Okay, I feel like I'm taking us down a rabbit hole. So let's. Oh, <laughs> let's. Uh, sorry, sorry about that, everyone listening, and apologies, I have taken us down that rabbit hole. So the main benefit we're saying of uh, of doing the backlink competitor research is it saves you so much time on finding the right backlinks, and it helps bring qualified backlink prospects to you. So it isn't random. They're not. You're not searching for you're just not searching for it. Like it's already, you already know that that backlinking site is interested in businesses similar to yours. So it's already pre-qualified for you. It's such a great source. And I love that tip you gave us about the, um, the, the erroring mm -hmm. uh, backlinks as well, because I think for anyone who's feeling a little bit nervous about reaching out to a site to ask for a link, if you can caveat it up with the I noticed you've got a broken link on your site. I'd like to help you fix it. I think this would be really, really relevant. Yeah. They are so much more likely to respond if not add the link to you. So I think that that's a great way of getting into backlinking. Yeah, I love that. And it's and it's super easy. It's a super easy workflow um, within the tool. So yeah, it's kind of like one of my favorite like like secret ninja tips. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, guys. A secret ninja tip. Well, what you, what you were all tuning in for. Okay, so, um, so Diana, we talked about using competitor research on backlink profiles to improve our own SEO, what else can we do to, from our competitor data? Yeah, foundationally, keyword research. And I like it. I like including competitor research in, or competitors in my keyword research pro process because it also brings to light synonyms. Synonyms, maybe you didn't, you hadn't thought of synonyms that might not have come up when you were in your traditional keyword research process. And it also gives light to where your competitor's focus is. So if you do kind of like a keyword gap analysis and they're really present for, you know, I'll use like a pizza restaurant. So maybe they're really high up on like gluten-free crust near me or they're, um, you know, delivery through Grubhub. And, you know, like those are really high on your competitors list and they're ranking really high, but you hadn't put that priority. That actually kind of gives you a clue as to the priority of your competitors. Okay, well, uh, you know, appealing to someone who loves pizza but can't tolerate gluten, we're in a pandemic, so delivery is key right now, but I didn't know we could optimize for Grubhub or, you know, a delivery service in my content. So it kind of also gives you content ideas. And the other piece of competitor research that I think is a huge benefit for yourself is seeing what kind of content they're putting out, seeing like even, even analyzing like the headlines of articles or blog posts that they're publishing. So you don't mimic that. So you aren't saturating on saturated sphere. You can take that subject matter and create your own, but that way you're not saying, you know, the five best pizza toppings for a gluten-free pizza. Well, when your competitor's already written that, 
Like you can take the information and maybe write why gluten-free is also great for people who can tolerate gluten and create some subject matter around this without mimicking, directly mimicking your competitor. Because what you don't want to do is add another level of competition. So if you're analyzing also the content they're putting out, even again, like I said, like the headline of the article, the H tags they're using, take the subject matter and create your own around it. So that way you're competing on what's important to your audience, but you're not going head to head on headlines and H tags and recipes or whatever the content of your website is. I know you're, this is a mostly e-commerce, so I hope you're not selling pizza online. That'd be weird. But, um, <laughs> although I'd probably try it. <laughs> but the thing is, it's a good, it's a good example because I think we can all relate wherever we are in the world, we can all relate to someone <laughs> selling pizza. That's true. Um, so, uh, so we're both looking at what, what I like about a lot of the tips you're giving us here, Diana, is that we are both looking at them from a things we can kind of copy and things we can avoid. So there's kind of those two sides to it, aren't they? There's the things which you want to go, right, okay, you've got a backlink from there. I want a backlink from there. And then kind of more on the content side, it's like, right, you're going really aggressively after that keyword. So I might skip that keyword and do focus my effort somewhere else. Right. And you bring up a really good point and something I wanted to mention too, because one of the I think biggest pitfalls of doing a competitive research is that now you feel like you have to do something to be on the same level field when it may not make sense for you or your strategy. So by also doing competitive research at the beginning of all of this, you can also understand all of the facets of their digital marketing campaign. And just so you're aware but doing display advertising might not work for you. Like that might not be something you're interested in doing and that's okay. You don't, don't, don't do something solely because your competitor is doing it. Do it because it makes sense for your digital marketing strategy and it's going to achieve your goals. Your goals do not need to be the same as your competitor. And I'll tell you this, cause in my agency days, I worked with um, dealerships. And so sometimes in the same city or region, so you would assume dealerships and this, and this is retail. So like you would assume they would have the same goals, right? Sell more of my stuff, but really a lot of those businesses did not. So mimicking, even though, so they actually never ended up being competitors in a lot of cases because one would want to focus on X part of their dealership and the other wanted to focus on something else. And so you just, you never like doing a competitor analysis, especially a deep dive will also help you understand like the goals and the focus of your competitors. And those might not align with yours and that's okay. You do not need to shift your strategy or your goals just because they are doing it. Make sure your goals and your strategy make sense for you and your business. And if a keyword, if you don't, if gluten-free is not part of your piece of business, then don't worry about it. Like, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, just, just because your competitor is investing in gluten-free pizza does not mean you need to suddenly get into into that space. And I, I think it, it's also brilliant if you work out that your competitor has a different goal to you because it means you can work out which bit, which area, if you invest, they aren't going to be competing with. Exactly. And great point, too, because doing a competitor research also levels the playing field as to who is not a competitor. <clears throat> and it may differ from your SEO to your PPC to your email to whatever. And that understanding those different 
ball games that you're playing in basically helps you understand what you're up against. And, you know, if you're a local, if you're a local pizza shop and you see that Pizza Hut or Papa John's or somebody is running a lot of paid ads in your market, maybe paid advertising isn't the right way to go because their big brands, their big companies are probably spending a lot of money on paid search. Maybe keep the focus on your SEO and your, and your local SEO. Um, and, and that could give you more of an edge than the bigger chains. Um, you know, so it's really under, it's really important to look at it holistically, big picture and deep dive when you're, when you're talking about understanding who you're actually competing against. Love that. Well, look, Diana, we are now going to be going on to pause for a reminder of our sponsors, and then we're going to talk about the wider world of SEO. Okay. <laughs> Success in 2021 means building stronger relationships with your customers. Last year saw a lot of consumers switching to buy online, leading to surges in new customer acquisition. So how are you planning on turning your new first-time buyers into profitable repeat customers? Well, that's what Clavio is for. Clavio helps businesses create memorable marketing moments through email, SMS, and personalized website experiences. And that is what creates repeat purchases. That's why Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform, is used by over 50,000 e-commerce brands around the world. Get started with your free account today. Visit clavio.com slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. Okay, Diana, so far we've gone deep into competitor research. Now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of SEO. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with SEO, which of course does include competitor research. Diana, are you ready? Yes, I'm very scared now. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be scared. Don't be scared. They're good questions. You should do You're movie gonna... trailers for thrillers because that you, woo. <laughs> And I, I even I knew that was need, coming. <laughs> I'm now going to need to add a note to my script saying, do not scare, scare guests. Uh, okay, we're going to start with SEO newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step with SEO, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success? So if you are starting in the field, I'm going to do this two ways. If you're starting in the field of SEO, um, don't be intimidated by the the numerous amounts of information about being an SEO as a career path that you will find on YouTube and all over the interwebs and social media. Focus, stay educated, learn by doing, create your own website and optimize that as a playing field. So, I mean, even if you if you're thinking about a career shift, you can learn SEO um, if you, in your spare time, come home, like I do sometimes, like I'm working on my own website, actually my Sundays, I spend two hours, just two hours on my Sunday working on my own website. You can do that too. And that's how you're going to get the hands-on experience of actually implementing things like H tags and schema and internal linking and things like that. And then you can see your own results. If you are a business wanting to invest in SEO, the best place to start is to find someone who can explain SEO to you on a way that you fully understand and can fully get buy-in into. Because what you don't want is to, you, you hear SEO, you know you need it, but you don't really understand the benefits to your business that this marketing tactic will achieve. Find someone who can explain that to you because you're going to be investing money and time and expectations and work into all of this. And so you need to have that full, complete buy-in so that your expectations are not 
off off kilter because that is so frustrating. And I think that's why so many people stop in SEO is because they, they didn't really get the full buy-in of how it can benefit your business. So if I can't, if I'm not the person to explain that to you, if Chloe's not the person to explain that to you, please find someone who can explain to you the full benefit of SEO will have not only on your website, because your website is not is the virtual business that you own, they need to explain it to you so you understand the business impact of SEO. I love that. So guys, keep working through till you find that voice you love in the world of SEO. It's such a, such a good piece of advice. But it's okay if it's not... The, the strong SEO voices in the world. It's okay if the, if you know, you're not buying into um, the voices of Sunrush or the podcasters, like that's okay. Find someone who can talk to you about it. Yeah. Find the right learning method. I love that. Okay. Now, once you've started, of course, you've got to keep optimizing. So what's your favorite way to improve SEO performance? I love playing. I play and experiment and keep trying and keep your eyes on the data. Um, you do, you do want to stick with the foundational strong elements, quality content, fast uh, site speeds, um, great navigation and breadcrumbs and things. Breadcrumbs are really important for e-commerce, especially things like that, but keep playing, keep testing, keep, stay educated. Um, but it's, it's, it's a, it's a fluid thing. So it, ha you know, you got to stay fluid with it and don't get frustrated when something doesn't go the way you want. Not everything you do is going to improve your site. Sometimes it's going to backfire and that's okay. Cause you can fix it. It's all fixable. <laughs> Even getting banned from Google, you can fix that. It takes a long time, <laughs> but you can fix it. <laughs> <laughs> so go, go out there and get playing, get experimenting. Okay. Yes. If someone listening wants to learn more about SEO, is there one cheap or free resource that you would recommend? Yes. The Samrush Academy. It's free. We've got lots of courses on a variety of topics, not just SEO, um, but we have some really fun uh, courses that are in there. And again, that they're all free. So, and they're, and they're told from different influencers as well. So you don't get the same person every single course. So that's really fun as well. And, um, and we have YouTube channel. So YouTube's always free. Cool. And we will add links to both of those in the show notes for everyone listening. So you better go and grab those. I suspect if you Google them, you'll find them as well. Yeah. Um, okay. Finally, crystal ball time. What's coming up in the next six to 12 months <laughs> that we should be getting ready for in SEO? Yeah. So we recently learned that the Core Web Vitals launch with Google, which was supposed to launch in May of this year, is now pushed back to mid-June. So us SEOs do have a little bit more time to prepare our sites. And if you're not sure what Core Web Vitals is about, it's Google putting priority on the user experience of the website, which is great because I've always been saying it shouldn't be search engine optimization. It should be people optimization. So really, we should be taking into consideration the people using your website anyway. And now Google is taking measures to include those elements as ranking factors. So we... Um, We'll see that rolled out in mid-June with a full rollout through August, although that might shift because Google had been prepping us for a May release for about a year now and, and then just recently changed that timeline. It's intriguing that they've, they're not known for changing dates on things and for them to be doing it like a month before, just... I, I can only imagine right now that the SEO wires are buzzing with conspiracy theory. So I think we'll, we won't get into that now because we're one day away from the news. And by the time we hear this, by, by the time you guys hear this, it's going to be a few, it's going to be a few weeks time. So 
there's going to be a lot of water going on the bridge on that one, but I, I cannot imagine how much the SEO wires are buzzing right now on well, this one. And it, it is interesting because Google... I mean, we find out about algorithm updates like pretty much the day of, and then they'll be like, yeah, it's going to, it's rolling out starting at noon Pacific time today. And then, you know, that's how we usually find out. Mm. And um, so for them to have advanced notice to us that this is now shift back. Um, I th and I think the, the only other thing that comes to mind is when they were talking mobile first indexing and that kind of always, that kept getting pushed back. It's it's live now, but you know that that launch of that got pushed back and pushed back for a while too. We should probably say it's, it's in our interest that it's being pushed back because the only reason Google will be doing it is if they weren't happy with it. And let's face it, we don't want them putting something they're not happy with live because that's going to lead to crazy times. So. Absolutely. So they are doing a favor, but now we're all curious. What happens? Why did it get pushed back? Like, <laughs> so yes, we're very curious about that. The other thing I would say crystal ball time is very similar. So the, um, the pandemic that we've all just experienced um, put everyone and every business online and on social media. So it's a very saturated space. So you are going to need to be very creative. Um, so start thinking outside the box, start putting personality in your website, start putting personality in your social media, because now that every, we have choices of everyone, you need to resonate with that audience and that it's you need it's more than just being present you need to be you you need to be authentic and you need to resonate with your audience even in your seo even in the storytelling on your website even in the storytelling of your product descriptions you need to have something that will resonate and click with your audience in order to stand out from the crowd Great advice. I, I love I love all of that. Well, look, Diana, we are nearly at the end of the show. So could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? Yes, yeah, Sunrush is easy because we are handles on social media are Sunrush everywhere. And that's S-E-M-R-U-S-H. And uh, if you like us on Twitter, if you follow us on Twitter, I am part of the Twitter team. So you'll interact with me quite often. I also host our weekly Twitter chat, which is every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern time here in the U.S. And um, we change the topic every week. It isn't always SEO, but we as SEOs also have other things that we're interested in and like to talk about. So please join the conversation. That hashtag is hashtag SEMrushChat. And I am on Twitter as DianaRich013 because 13 is my lucky number. And if you search for me on LinkedIn, you can, you'll find me by my name, Diana Richardson. And to make sure you know it is me, there's a little wine glass next to my name because I also love wine. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. There you go, guys. Go hunting for the wine glass. Yes. Um, <laughs> well, Diana, thank you so much for being on the Keep Optimizing podcast today. We have You've given some brilliant tips, both generally in SEO and for maximizing the impact of that competitor research. And what I particularly like is I suspect many of the listeners are already signed up to SEMrush or another tool. And so this is something they can literally hit stop on the podcast and go and start playing around with straight away. So, uh, so thank you massively for those. You are absolutely welcome. And if there are those folks that are wanting to learn more about the tool, my DMs on Twitter are open. I would love to connect with you. So, and I'm happy to help you through the tool or anything you want. So connect with me I'd like, and say hi. <laughs> Tell me Chloe sent you so we, so we know. <laughs> yeah, do do that too. Uh, well, Diana, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you so much for having me. I hope we get to hang out again. 
Well, from my perspective, I would happily invite Diana back on the show again because I thought she gave such good advice and stuff which uh, which is re- would be super easy for you guys to put into place. And what what a great way to learn and work out some kind of fast track ways to improve your SEO by doing those elements of competitive research you talked about around the backlinks, around the keyword research, around that content. But of course, as the warning that Diana gave you at the end, be careful because um, you, when you start out on this, you have no idea what your competitor's goal is. And quite frankly, if they even know what they're doing. Um, so always kind of come at what they're doing, not necessarily is it being the right thing for you because you have different goals and actions and they might not be currently very good at it. You never know. So always remember that as you're going in, just because your competitors are doing it doesn't necessarily mean it's the right thing for you. Well, as always, you can get the links to everything we discussed, the full transcript of the episode, important notes and more at keepoptimizing.com. As part of my mission to help you improve your marketing, I've invited all our SEO specialists to join us for a Q&A webinar at the end of the month. Get yourselves registered for the webinar by heading over to keepoptimizing.com and you'll find out all the details. Looking forward to seeing some of you guys there and finding out what's top of your list of questions in SEO right now. Okay. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Keep Optimizing podcast. If you've enjoyed it, then please do check out episodes six, seven, eight, and nine. Yes, way back in month two of the show where we covered SEO for the first time and covered four different angles of winning at SEO. We are going to be covering SEO all this month. We've got five episodes in total for you because it's a long month, five Wednesdays. Um, So please do tell your fellow SEO marketers or those looking to get into SEO about the show because I want us to help as many marketers as possible to improve the performance of their marketing. Have a great week, all of you, and make sure you listen to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimising your marketing. Access everything Keep Optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.